Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. Today's another AMA episode. That is, ask me anything. I love to answer your questions. If you have a question you think is going to be of broad interest, send it in. I'll answer it live on the air. Send your questions to victor at victorjm.com. That's victor at victorjm.com. Linda from Katy, Texas asks, I've been considering buying an apartment building in a depressed area with the hopes that I can fix it up and increase the value significantly. Even at today's rents, the property is being marketed at a 10% cap rate. I can't seem to find properties that deliver that kind of rate of return in a more desirable area. Why would I pay that much more for a property in an expensive area and get a lower rate of return? Well, Linda, that's a great question. There was a time when I thought much along the lines of your question. Let me tell you the story of my friend John, who's a significant property owner in Chicago. John owns about 500 units across Chicago. His properties are split between the more affluent north side of the city and the economically depressed south side. Many of the properties were purchased around the same time, over a period of time. Now, John and I partnered together on a number of buildings, and we had a chance to run the very experiment, that comparison, that's at the core of your question. The buildings were mostly of the same vintage. They dated back to the early 1920s, somewhere between 90 to 100 years old. They all needed repairs and maintenance. The building codes were uniform across the city, and therefore the cost of repairs was pretty much the same on the north side and the south side. A water heater cost the same to replace. The boiler for a building centralized heating system would be the same price. doesn't matter whether it's on the north side or the south side. And drywall costs exactly the same, and appliances were the same too. And here's what we discovered. The buildings would be finished to roughly the same standard on both sides of the city. You might get a higher grade of appliances, maybe kitchen cabinets in one area versus another, but in total the difference in cost to perform repairs and remodels was very, very small. On the south side, we experienced much higher vacancy, and we experienced much higher economic vacancy. That term is code for people who are living in your apartment and not paying the rent. The manpower spent in collecting rent on the south side was easily five times more compared with the north side. But we were collecting nearly double the rent on the north side. Yes, the properties on the north side were much more expensive to purchase, but they generated positive cash flow. Our south side properties were often experiencing negative cash flow, even when they were full. The expense ratio for the lower income properties was much higher because the rent was lower. The electric utility doesn't care how much rent you're collecting for your property. When the water heater decides to die, the water heater doesn't care how much rent you were collecting either. It's going to cost an entire month's rent to replace a water heater on the south side and only half a month's rent on the north side. In a spreadsheet, it looks like the lower income property will offer higher rates of return. But in the real world, I would assert that the outcome is quite different. More important than cap rate is cash flow. Negative cash flow trumps higher paper rate of return every time. What the idealized calculations fail to account for is the wide number of problems that appear in these C-class properties over and over again. In a top-notch building in the most expensive area, you rarely experience evictions, or cases where tenants leave in the middle of the night and leave your apartment full of trash, broken furniture, with broken doors and holes in the walls. The cost of getting a unit rent ready in a top area is a fraction of the cost of a unit turned in a bad area. Unless you model these risks as happening a third of the time or half the time, you're going to have a financial model that's more optimistic than the real world. Here's the final kicker. 
many of the properties were purchased at the height of the downturn, in the range of 2011 to 2013. The properties on the south side appreciated a total of about 10% over a five-year period, whereas the properties on the north side nearly doubled in value over the same time period. I know it's strange. You could walk through the apartments and see the physical living space as really nice in both cases. They were well maintained. Why is it that these lovely, gracious apartments on the south side cannot command higher rents? There's something about the neighborhood. The marketplace has decided that one area over here is the place to be and this other area over there is not. We didn't see gang violence around the north side properties, but we did on the south side. In the years that John and I were collaborating together, our buildings were witness to fires, shootings, and vandalism. So today, I don't own any C-class apartments. I only build B-class and A-class apartments. I arrived at that conclusion by trial and error. You can get lucky. We had some of the most amazing tenants in lower-income areas, but we also experienced some of the biggest nightmare tenants. You can't build a portfolio that assumes you're going to be lucky all of the time. Yes, effective tent screening can eliminate a number of the nightmare tenants, but not all of them. I want to thank you, Linda, for an awesome question. I hope that gives you a bit of perspective on how I arrived at my particular conclusion. Your mileage may vary, of course. In the meantime, have an awesome rest of your day. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.